She was this gun-toting, whiskey-drinking broad. The super epic fucking broad. She was a pioneer in the industry. She's also so famous and so controversial. So controversial. So she's kind of a big fucking deal. Her story is so incredible. She belongs on this podcast because she's a broad you should know. Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I am Sarah Gorski, and I am here again with Ms. Adrian Snow. Hi, Adrian. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Just, you know, taking in this semi-warm LA day. Yeah, it's pretty, it's like getting warm. We're going, we're in that ups and downs where it goes up and down. Yeah, we're about to have this, this heat wave for the week. Yeah, looking forward to that. I got some popsicles in the freezer. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, I am so excited to have you back as a guest on the show uh, yeah. because also I just love hanging out with you in any format, including in podcast recording format. And I'm very excited to share this broad with you because I don't think that you have probably heard of her. Have you heard of Alexia Salvador? I have not. <laughs> well, this is the second week now of Pride Month. And so she is a pride pick for me um, because mm. I realized we have not covered very many transgender women on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'm always looking to like fill the gaps of groups that we have not covered before. And so she falls into that category. Alexia Salvador is, by her own naming, quote, the first transgender shepherd of Latin America. Nice. She is both the first transgender pastor in Brazil and all of America, all of Latin America. Oh, okay. rather. Oh. She is an amazing first and she is, her story is really interesting to me. And I'm really interested to talk about this with you, Adrian, because you and I talk about like relational things to this all the time, I feel like. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to jump right in with a quick intro. It's Pride Month and we're all thinking about Pride and celebrating Pride. And we reposted Marsha P. Johnson last week. And we think a lot about gay rights in American terms. But I think that I personally, I don't know much about gay rights around the world in other countries, other than the occasional report, you know, of anti-gay violence in more conservative countries. As I was looking around for other pride broads to cover, I knew I wanted to try to cover somebody not in the US. And as I'm digging into the research, come to find out that Brazil suffers from very high rates of anti-gay, anti-trans rhetoric. Yeah, that's six Bolsonaro. That's not surprising. It is Bolsonaro. And mm -hmm. so in, in Brazil right now, crimes against violence against LGBTQ plus people is at like an all-time high. In 2017, there were more than 380 LGBTQ identifying people murdered. 58 died by suicide. And in 2020, Brazil had the world's highest rate of anti-trans homicides murders with 124 Brazilians murdered in 2020. And that was a 70% increase over the year before 2019. Mm -hmm. Brazil beat Mexico, which is the next closest in those rates, by almost 100 deaths. And it can be no coincidence, as you kind of already said, mm -hmm. that Bolsonaro took office January 1st, 2019. So yeah. in 2019, they saw a 70% increase in violence towards LGBTQ people. So it's really dangerous to be gay slash not hetero in Brazil. So Alexia Salvador, our broad today, lives in Brazil. And this mm -hmm. is her stomping ground. And this is where she is doing the good work. So I feel like that context is like really important because she is... Is, you know, she, she, well, hopefully she doesn't become, you know, Brazil's Marsha because Marsha has a terribly sad ending to her story. But I think uh, she is like really kind of one of the forerunners, I think, in, in the voices for gay and specifically trans rights in Brazil. So 
Take it back to the beginning. Alexia was born Alexander Lucas Evangelista Salvador on November 18th, 1980 in Mairiporia, Brazil. Probably said it wrong because I don't speak Portuguese. Her parents were Catholic, but they weren't quite practicing. And she was heavily bullied as a kid. She talks about being teased and crying at school quite quite a bit in, in kind of all the articles that I found interviewing her. And when she was seven, she begged her parents to take her to church. And church became this kind of like refuge for her because she wasn't bullied there. She felt like it was like a safe place to her and that all the and her teachers there were like very kind to her. And so she loved it. She was like a churchophile right away. <laughs> and she liked it so much that her catechism teacher was like, hey, you're pretty good at this. And she, and and uh, her teacher encouraged her to like, hey, maybe you should teach this. Like maybe join up with the Catholic Church in a more official way. And uh, Alexia says at this time that being at church, quote, was the first time someone invited me to do something and didn't laugh at me. Mm. It was a moment where I felt important, where I felt useful. So when she was young, she, and and at this point she had not transitioned. So she mm-hmm. was uh, male identifying at this time. She mm-hmm. wanted to join the priesthood. So she joined up in seminary. And for the most part, she really liked all the events. There was like a big Catholic community around her area that she grew up known as the Cancau Nova, which apparently has like a huge, t- its own TV channel and it broadcasts mm-hmm. Catholic programs all across the country. And this was kind of like the, the group that she was in with when she joined up with seminary and even though the events were pretty fun at first it became really clear to her that it was quote a toxic environment for me and Mm -hmm. that there was all this rhetoric about lgbtq plus people being quote abominations and so really quickly she like begins to see kind of the truth of that rhetoric Mm -hmm. and she knows at that point or has you know has inklings at that point that she you know it most certainly was gay Mm -hmm. and so she knew that 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 was going to be like problematic for her. Yeah. And she actually at that point leaves the Catholic church. And she's, um, she says, quote, I said to myself, I'm not Catholic anymore. I mm-hmm. don't want to serve the Christian faith anymore because it's a faith that oppresses me. I severed mm-hmm. ties with the institution and with the church, but never with my faith in God, in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So she leaves the Catholic church at this time. She was identifying, as I said, she was identifying as gay and she had a partner, Roberto, and they were looking to get married, which is also, you know, dangerous in Brazil, but they knew that they were going to be it for each other. But they yeah. also knew that it was going to be difficult to actually get married in a country that doesn't really love gay people. It's also not legal, I take it. I think it it is legal. I think because they do get married. Spoiler alert, they do get married and they're still married. But she starts to Google around and she's looking around for churches and she's like, you know, is there any churches around here that, you know, obviously not Catholic, (laughs) um, but are there any churches that will accept us for who we are and and marry us? And she finds the Metropolitan Community Church, the MCC. In Spanish, it's the Iglesia de la Comunidad Metropolitana. So the ICM is is, in Spanish, that's the name of the church that she found. They had a branch in Sao Paulo. 
Apollo. And actually, I think the church itself is based in LA, I think, mm. uh, which I find mm. fascinating. But they had a branch in Sao Paulo, and her and Roberto are married in mm. June 2010 at a group wedding. And apparently, mm. there were like six couples that got mm. married at the same ceremony. And so they finally get to get married. Mm. And that's 2010. Now, in the meantime, she, Alexia, has begun teaching. In mm. 2004, she starts teaching. And that's kind of her primary job. And then in 2012, at age 28, that's when she officially transitions. And she says that she was initially, she was really worried, like as she started to kind of realize, like, you know, I really identify as a woman, as a female. She was worried like Roberto, her husband, was going to not really jive with that, right? But turned out to be a false worry because he has supported her through the entire transition. They're together to this day. And they're so cute. There's pictures. Everyone going to have their pictures on the website. They're so cute. Nice. So in 2012, she officially transitions and she mm. changes her name to Alexia. And there was one of the articles I found. It was like some of these articles were very clearly written by people who don't quite know how to talk about trans people yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're like, they say things in the ways that are like probably pretty offensive. And I was just like trying to, and I was like, is this the, the translator just sucking? Or is this is this person literally like, they use the wrong pronouns constantly throughout the article, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But yeah, they, yeah, yeah, there was yeah, one yeah. of these articles was very in-depth about what this transition was like for her or how she mm-hmm. how she managed it mm-hmm. and basically she she was working for the school and she was still working for them and she asked for 15 days of leave mm-hmm. and when she came back she reintroduced herself as Alexia and it sparked a bunch of controversy over genders in her class mm-hmm. her students specifically started asking her all about it and some of them would say things like teacher you'll always be a man to me Mm. Um, and specifically this one student said that to her and she says that quote I saw that he was nervous and I spoke to him and told him speak up we live in a democracy I listen to you I'm a man dressed as a woman and you respect that man dressed as a woman Mm -hmm. so you're free to agree or not agree but you must Mm -hmm. respect each other and Mm -hmm. that's kind of been her the way she's handled like all of her students in educating them it's Mm -hmm. like you know you're entitled to your opinions but you still Mm -hmm. have to respect people and I think you know we we live in a country where that respect like feels like it's like not there half the time with all this political rhetoric that goes back and forth so when I read somebody who really espouses that in their day-to-day teachings I just feel Mm -hmm. like fuck yeah that's (laughs) the way to do it you can't tell people what to think but you can at least enforce the respect between the lines and help people to see you can't treat people like shit just because you don't agree or don't like what, yeah. who they are um and she also as you know as she transitioned she quickly kind of became kind of a lightning rod for other lgbtq students that she mm-hmm. that were under her either under her specific class or at the school mm-hmm. and people are constantly ki- kids are constantly coming to her for advice you know they'll they'll come and they'll cry because their parents are calling them terrible things and they ask for advice on like what should I do like should I leave should I so they're always coming to her and she's kind of like this stalwart force for them in terms of like keeping your sanity and one of the things she tells them is like no you're not a freak no you're not an aberration and sometime the time will be right you know for you and she there was one story she talks about where this kid came to her and he said my oh my family's very religious but I'm gay and they kicked out his cousin and they won't talk to his cousin when his cousin came out as gay and so he came to Alexia and he was crying and all she told him was that he was not an aberration he was a beautiful healthy child and I didn't want to give him advice because she didn't want him to 
go home and get beaten up or something like that. But yeah. what she told him was that the right time would come and study hard. And one day you'll be independent and be able to live your life. Um, and it's such a hard position because, you know, like in, when there's so, such disapproving, especially religious disapproving family, like they'll kick mm -hmm. kids out on the street. Mm -hmm. And then that's how kids become homeless. And, you know, horrible things can happen to a kid on the streets, you know. Anyway, I, I, I read that story and I just like... If we could have someone like Alexia in every classroom to be there and support the kids who are going through that shit at home, like what a different world it would be, huh? Yeah. Or if people would just like, I don't know, mind their own business because like, it's none of your business. Like it's something, it also isn't very Christian if you Truly. actually follow, follow Jesus. I'm just Truly. Saying. She still teaches to this day and mm -hmm. she has risen up. She was invited to be first a deaconess with the mm -hmm. church, the MCC church. And she actually today is a full reverend. So when she joined the MCC and her and Roberto got married, she said it was the first time they felt so welcome and, and they felt like they had such a huge community with that community like she was able to finally tell her parents and her colleagues and her students and actually go through that transition and there's a quote from her about that time period where she said the panic that lived in my head until i discovered the mcc was that i would go to hell that i was god's mistake mm. and then while studying theology i learned that i have flaws like all humans do but being a trans woman is not one of them. Mm -hmm. And so the church, the MCC church really helped her to reconnect with that spirituality. She ends up becoming a deacon. She ends up even getting ordained. And mm. so she today is uh, an ordained and practicing minister at the MCC church. And she's done a bunch of, she continues to do like very LGBTQ activist things. In 2017, in May, there was a big, an LGBTQ mass held by LGBTQ pastors in Cuba. And it was the first time a trans person held Holy Communion in oh. Cuba's history. And also I imagine probably in more than just Cuba's history alone. Yeah. <laughs> And a few of the amazing things that she said at that ceremony was that the Christianity that Jesus brought forward was for all people. And being mm. a part of the church today as a trans woman is a reclamation of the space we know is also ours. God's love is radically inclusive. Tonight has been a night of celebration of equality between all people, marking a new era for Cuba. Um, and apparently she's wearing the black dress and the little white clerical collar she's wearing. She made it herself in those pictures on the website. She made that dress herself. And 2019 is when she became officially ordained. There's the year. Um, and since then, her and Roberto have also adopted three <laughs> kids. Um, so she is also the first trans woman in Brazil to adopt a child. It took six months. That was another huge battle because Brazil is Brazil. Um, it took six months for the judge to say yes, and it wasn't mm -hmm. easy. Um, but now she has a son and two transgender daughters. Oh, nice. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's a struggle here to adopt and if you're a member of the LGBTQ. It's gotten better, but it doesn't mean... Yeah, and it's still just so fucking expensive, isn't it? Isn't it like crazy That's expensive? <laughs> In 2018, uh, Alexia also campaigned to be a state representative for Sao Paulo for the Socialism and Liber Liberty Party, but she did not win. But I still think anyone who runs for office is pretty badass, so yeah. I had to include that. Don't forget to vote Los Angeles. Don't forget to vote, <laughs> yes, Los Angeles. And don't forget to not vote for Rick Caruso. No Caruso. No Caruso. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, he's, a, <laughs> he's a liar. 
He's a Republican in disguise. I mean, he's a, <laughs> he's basically Trump. Yeah. Anyway, Alexia, though, um, continues to use her platform supporting gay rights, uh, LGBTQ plus rights. I always say gay mm-hmm. rights, but that is not inclusive. Come on, Sarah. She is also in the process of opening her own branch of the MCC church nice. north of Sao Paulo. She started mm-hmm. looking for locations before the pandemic, but then COVID-19 like put other church services online. And so everything got on hold. Mm-hmm. There also is a big documentary about her and her life that played at Khan in 2021. Oh, nice. I was, I was like searching and searching and searching for the link to watch it and I could not find a link to watch it at. But hopefully you can find it. The name of the film, uh, and I fucking love this, is Deus a Mujer, God is a Woman. I wish I love that title and I can't get over it. I can't like <laughs> read it over and over again. And the good news is, despite the fact that Bolsonaro is still the fucking president of Brazil, mm-hmm. is that things seem to be looking up a little bit for LGBTQ mm-hmm. rights. Last November, apparently 48 LGBTQ city council members were elected, including nice. 25 trans people. And there was some legislation in the works mandating companies with over 100 employees to set aside 3% of their jobs for trans people. But apparently it did not pass through and get enacted into law but there is at least like the start of some of those bills i think happening despite bolsonaro's leadership and all of his his anti-homo rhetoric all of his anti-everything rhetoric anti-everything rhetoric but alexia salvador is fighting the fight she is in brazil and she is loud and she's proud and there's a bunch of articles about her if you look her up and i've got her pictures like i said up on the broads you should know website um so everyone check her out and follow her and you know i think part of the reason adrian i really wanted to like bring her into this episode Mm because i feel like you and i have talked a lot about how messed up the church is and how religion usually is for so many people for so many people and how people don't kind of realize the the bubbles that they grow up in and how exclusive and how hate-filled those can be and i think you know for me when i was reading about alexia i was like damn here's a woman who realized that and then also is seeking to change that Mm -hmm. and transform that and i think like you know all her quotes about what the church is and about you know christianity being about love god's love and jesus love and not Mm -hmm. all that hatred and that horrible rhetoric i just i vibe so hard with that message that we just got to love each other that we're all just beautiful children you know i mean if you look at what jesus was actually preaching that's exactly what jesus was preaching if you are a believer christianity like that should kind of come with the territory when i was younger the thing that pushed me away from christianity I mean, there were a few things, but the main thing was that I just didn't see people really practicing what they what they were reading about. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people were, were in love with that Old Testament stuff. <laughs> yeah, Loved they it. love that. Quote that crap left and right. But like if you're a Christian, the whole point is that you're a follower of the New Testament and the Old Testament, but mainly of like what Jesus preached. And that the Bible is kind of like a guidebook, but not a factual account of how you should go about your life. I don't know. I always like toe that line because I know it's <laughs> for for me, it's almost like mythology. And I know that yeah. offends a lot of people. And it's like, well, 
there's nothing wrong with viewing it in that way. Like for me, most religion is a type of mythology. It's like really a morality tale to help you be a better person. Like it's how it should be serving. And it shouldn't be about persecuting others for their differences, but embracing people because of their differences. But unfortunately, a lot of like what's happened in terms of, because we're talking about ancient texts, we're talking about texts that were being built before we really had a handle on what our language was going to be, you know? And so they've been morphed into these things that served whoever was in power at that time. Yeah. Well, they've been like, I think like the, you know, I think what pushed me away from it the most besides the anti, because specifically actually the anti-gay rhetoric in the church. Yeah, that was a big thing. Really offended me because I had a bunch of gay friends and I was like, that's stupid. Mm -hmm. They're not bad people. They're great people. They're just like me. We're not really different human beings at all. You know, we just happen to be in different bodies and different genders. And, Mm -hmm. but uh, I think I just also just witnessed the text being used and like wielded as a weapon of the patriarchy where like here's all these phrases that are reasons where it's okay to control and demean women and people that are not white men. But you know, Jesus <laughs> was not a white man. Oh uh, yeah, I said it. <laughs> but so it's just really fascinating when people kind of place their modern viewpoints on this text. And also I remember there were a few reasons why I quietly left as a kid. And one was, you know, someone close to me's response to me saying that I thought Philadelphia was a really great movie and made me realize that gay people were just like me there, you know, as a black woman, I go through people persecuting me for something I can't control. And, and that yeah. person's response to me saying that was like, well, you know, it doesn't really matter what you think they're all going to hell because it's in the Bible, which it isn't in the Bible. <laughs> they interpreted the Bible to say that. And also the one of the second things, or I mean, I was in church when I was like 13 with my mom and I had already knew I was, I was pretty much out. Out of the church, not, not out, out of as- the church. Not out as, I am Not as in gay out. But that didn't happen until like last year. First clarity since this whole podcast is about LGBTQ rights. <laughs> I'm queer. You know, I'm still not out completely to my family as a queer woman. But um, there's this part in the Bible. I just happened to flip it open. I was perusing the Bible in church. And it said, a wife should obey her husband like a slave obeys their master. And I looked at it. And I read it again, and I read it again, and this is in the Bible. This is in the Bible. I closed it, and I sat upright, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm done. I'm out. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not coming to church anymore. And I would just always, from then on out, it was like always just finding an excuse. My mother would be like, you know, I'm going to go to church. I'm like, yeah, you know what? If you want to go, I'm going to stay home. I'm not feeling very well. Oh, I got to work on some homework, or I got to do this, I got to do that. Because it became harder to control me going to church, right, as I became a teenager. It was no shade against actual Christianity. It was like, this is the King James Bible. This ancient king from way back in the day decided to say, this is how I want this to say. And then also over time, we've gone in and like redone it and Mm -hmm. made it fit whatever we needed it to fit to serve like patriarchal, racist, sexist viewpoints. Yeah. And that's just not when I think about my relationship with like the universe or God or whatever you want to call it. That's just not how I think the universe rolls. Also, I don't think the universe cares that much about me to be like, also, <laughs> like, I care about your <laughs> life. I'm a vast, ever expanding being, and I care about your tiny little human sex life. <laughs> you can't even live a century. They don't, the universe don't care about me like that. <laughs> like, no, the universe got other things. Yeah. 
Anyway. Well, that is Alexia Salvador. We yeah. totally tangented the end there, but she's an amazing broad, you should know, fighting the fight in Brazil for gay rights. And uh, and it's it's nice to see because I think we forget, especially sometimes with the U.S.-focused way of living, that those fights are going on outside of just the U.S. as well, you know? And like as we're fighting to maintain our rights in certain instances, like people are fighting to get those rights for the very first time. And so we shouldn't yeah. take it for granted when we have it. And it's also worth, you know, for people who haven't like connected the dots, you know, I, I'll say it out loud. It's worth also noting how dangerous it is to have such an extreme personality in office mm-hmm. where homicide rates for LGBTQ people rose 70% yeah. the year that he took office. Yeah. And that is not a small number. That is a huge number. I think, you know, all the shit that's going down b- about both guns and abortion and everything, it's all it all freaks me out in the same way that that I freak out when I read that number in Brazil. It's yeah. like, you know, all you need is one asshole who's got the microphone who gives a lot of the other smaller assholes a bunch of ideas. Well, thank you for being here, Adrian. You're yeah. always such a pleasure to have on the pod. Oh, thank you for having me. To learn more about Alexia Salvador, see pictures of her, her beautiful family, and read these great quotes we talked about today, go on over to broadsyoushouldknow.com. While you're there, you can click on over to the About page to read more about Adrienne Snow. Her bio, her photo, links to all her cool stuff, and social is all there. And speaking of social, are you following Broads You Should Know yet? We're on Facebook and Instagram at Broads You Should Know, and Twitter at BYSK Podcast. To suggest a broad, fill out the form on our website or email us at broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. If you're a fan of this podcast, then you really should help spread the word about us. Leave us a review on your podcasting platform and share your favorite episode with your friends and family. That really helps new listeners to find us. Broads You Should Know is produced by me, Sarah Gorski, and edited by Chloe Skye, with original music by Darren Callahan. Finally, if you really enjoyed hearing Alexia's story, then I highly recommend you check out a few of our previous Broads episodes, specifically our queer and trans LGBTQ activist Broads, Marsha P. Johnson, Polly Murray, and Christine Jorgensen. See you next week for another Broad You Should Know.